This is a podcast by Wellhouse Church, where personal spiritual growth is fueled through a variety of practices rather than a single prescriptive time of devotion, where we discuss different spiritual practices that help us be more present with God, others, and ourselves. Hey man, what's happening? Not much, man. I'm uh, doing well. How are you? All right. I'm all right. Um, Just getting through, getting through. Yep. I get it 100%. So, I guess let's just get right into it. Okay. We're talking about the enthusiast today. Yeah, the enthusiast. As the title suggests, they are enthusiastic. <laughs> um, I think, yeah, I think your definition is a great, just yeah, kind of start. Yeah, I think it's place. a great way to start. Um, I mean, more or less, these people are the, the, the charismatics, correct? Yeah, um, so if you if you are a charismatic you don't necessarily because you're charismatic fit this bill. Right. But if you're a non-charismatic, these are the people that you call charismaniacs. <laughs> <laughs> um, and that sounds like it might be kind of derogative. Yeah, it's not a um, pejorative uh, by any means. It's literally just saying like, um, these are the people that really, really, really enjoy experiencing God. Yeah. Um, so the definition is... Enthusiasts love God through mystery and celebration. These people worship with outward displays of passion and enthusiasm. They love God with gusto. Yes. (laughs) I love that. Loving God with gusto. Gary actually mentions in the book that he was tempted to title the chapter Loving God with Gusto. Yeah. But I think he moved away from it because he was trying to get like... um, the ascetic, the activist, the enthusiast, right. like like one word kind of defining prototypes for each person. Yeah. And I think that doing it that way is helpful, but I do love that loving God with gusto because that, that really does sum this group up very well. It does. It, it really does. They, they are the uber- charismatic want to experience God in these really, really supernatural ways. Yeah. Um, and you know, when you, when you meet an enthusiast, like you just know it and you're, yeah, you do. you're kind of at some point overwhelmed mm-hmm. and almost for, for some people. And I know I've definitely been this person. Um, you almost judge them a bit. In what way? In the way of like, oh, they're, quote, like going through the motions or whatever. Oh, like or, that's cute, honey. Yeah. Like, okay. People really don't worship that way. Like, yeah. So I will tell you, for me, so a lot of our family is in much more charismatic expressions than us. Mm-hmm. And I consider myself to be a charismatic with my seatbelt on. Uh, yeah, I, I border, I ride the fence on charismatic for sure. Yeah. So I regularly pray in tongues. Like I regularly, uh, try to work in prophetic gifts. Like I, like those are not things that like I'm against. Um, yeah, I absolutely experience God that way. And when I first started praying in tongues, I remember, and I wrestle back and forth if I still feel this way or not, but I remember like when it first happened, it was so overwhelming for me. 
Yeah, I was, uh, I think I was 17 years old when it happened. I think the first time I was 17 years old when it first happened for me. And I remember looking at my mentor after it first happened, just so over, I was, I was on the ground. Like it was just, it's so overwhelming. I was on the ground and I just looked at him and I was like, I feel cheated. Mm. I feel cheated that I've been a Christian for all this time. And like, I didn't have this experience now. That's what happens when like you just get those overwhelming encounters and experiences with God. Yeah. Like you feel like you have to live on that mountain. But you can't live on that mountain. No. It's like a dopamine addiction. It's like a high. Uh once you get one experience, like you're always chasing it to another level and and at one point like the same level of dopamine's not enough, so you have to go above and above and above. Um if you're always chasing that, I don't know that you'll ever be happy. Mm. And so for me, I've tried to find a balance there. Um, but when you have those experiences, it's overwhelming to a level that's undeniable. Yeah. And so when that happened, we were in, um, we were in a very conservative expression and one that was quite against charismatic, um, movements. Yeah. Uh, not hostile, but just like really, really, really skeptical. Right. And so I uh, ended up leaving that for other reasons not too long after. And really started investing in that kind of charismatic tradition. And in, in that investment with them, I ended up at a prayer meeting one night. Okay, and this is this is crazy. I ended up at this prayer meeting one night. I was in Dallas, Texas. And I ended up at this prayer meeting. And it's at a mega church, but there's like 300 people in the room. So it's like an auditorium that holds like 1,500, and there's like 300 people in the room. And it's almost like when you cross the threshold into the auditorium, like I wanted to take my shoes off. Like there was something different about this space. Um, for for the listeners that don't that may not understand, taking your shoes off in a holy place is, is a um, is a, a kind of common practice. Well, it's a biblical metaphor back to Moses when God right. uh, appears to him in the burning bush in um, in uh, Exodus. He takes his shoes off. God says, take your shoes off. This is holy ground. Yeah. And so it's become kind of a motif throughout Christian expressions that like when something really, really holy is happening in this moment, like you take your shoes off. Yeah. Um, I knew a guy who used to um, play piano for a church. Um, and um, for him, that was a an incredible experience every time. Mm. And so every time that he would participate, he would take his shoes off. Oh, interesting. Okay. Yeah. So it's just, I think it's just a show of confidence for people that like, I, I feel the presence of God here. Yeah. Um, and nobody else in the room had their shoes off. Like it wasn't, it wasn't something I walked in and everybody had their shoes off. Like I just walked in and was like, Oh my God, this is something different. 
Yeah. This is something different than I've ever felt before. Because I just got invited to a prayer meeting. Right. And the person that invited me, like, told me, like, hey, dude, this can be a bit different. Mm-hmm. But, like, didn't really give me a heads up. <laughs> <laughs> and I walked in and, like, hadn't seen anything, really. Yeah. Just Because the way that it was designed and the door we went in, like, right when you stepped across the threshold and through the doors, like, you were in this alcove thing. And so, like, I couldn't see anybody else in the room. Yeah. But, like, right when I stepped in, like, something was different. Yeah. Um, and we actually ended up going up to the balcony, um, which I've thought back over that moment a whole lot. Um, it allowed me time, like it allowed me more space to walk and move because there was nobody else up there. Um, but it also gave me time to observe. And like, I've been to a lot of prayer meetings in my life. I'd never been to one like this. No. Like these people were excited to pray. Um, there was like worship music going and like not, no, no, no. Let me rephrase that. There was not worship music going. There was live worship happening. Oh, wow. They had a live band leading worship while everyone is praying. That's cool. Yeah, and we were there for like multiple hours, and nobody left early. Wow, that's awesome. Yeah, and like I said, there was like 300 people in this room. And so it was just like, I just noticed very quick they were celebratory. Mm. Um, and yet there was this unique and unmentioned mystery that was in the room Yeah, because like nobody felt the need to explain why they felt impressed by the Lord for something. The expectation was that you were going to be expressed, impressed by the Lord to do something and so the mystery was, where is that going to show up? Hmm. And so you would see people, like, they'd be on this end. They'd be praying and worshiping. And they would just, like, immediately, like, something would click for them. And they'd beeline to the other end for a specific person. And they would, like, just start praying for that person. Like, you would see them. They'd have a few, like, conversations. And they'd get into a prayer posture. And, like, just start praying together. And it's like, okay. So, like, the mystery is that God is at work here and I don't know where it's going to show up. And we're celebrating every minute with expectancy that God is going to show up in a really, really supernatural way. Yeah. So not too long ago in, uh, finds perspectives when we talked about the Holy spirit statements. Yeah. Um, we, we briefly mentioned that I was last week. Was that last week? Yeah. Um, we, we briefly mentioned that um, that's a part of the Godhead that we've forgotten. Um, maybe not. Maybe, maybe not, not fully forgotten. Well, maybe not cognizantly. Yeah. Like we still mention him. We know he's there. But functionally, we largely ignore him. And that, the, the scenario you just gave is the work of the Spirit. Yeah, not the only way in which the Spirit works, right. but it is definitely a way in which the Spirit works. Like, as you were telling that story, that song by Francesca Battistelli, uh, Holy oh, yeah. Spirit, was just yeah. playing in my head. Um, it, it's, it's 
it's just this presence, right? Um, yeah. I personally have not found my prayer language, right? Okay. Or um, for, I, I personally have not been able to pray in tongues yet. Yeah. And that's something that I, I, I strive for and I look for. And for whatever reason, I haven't gotten there yet. But uh, yeah, it's weird. So um, I don't think they would have a problem, but because I don't know, I'm not going to mention their names. But I know an older couple. They've been Christians pretty much their whole lives. Um, and the wife found her prayer language at like 16. They are now in their mid-70s, and the man has never received his prayer language. Mm. And it's just because I think that lends itself to what Paul says, like in 1 Corinthians 12, um, if we all had hands, like like if yeah. the body was only made up of hands, it wouldn't be a fully functioning body. Yeah. Um, I don't know that everyone's going to get that language. No. Um, um, I don't. I don't know if it's meant for everybody. But as we talked about yesterday on Let's Talk, Paul charges us to pray for the higher gifts, to right? seek, to earnestly desire yeah. the higher gifts. Yeah. So don't stop. Yeah. Um, that that's the gifts of prophecy. Yeah, and um, maybe maybe when we get off this podcast, I'll pray for you to receive. Oh, um, appreciate that. Um, Cause that's what happened for me. I was I was in a very similar boat to you, and I was like, "Dude, I want it so bad. Yeah. Like I want it so bad. Like it just wasn't happening." You know, and it's so funny. Um, I was having dinner with some friends of mine. Um, I don't know what was it Saturday, um, and uh, I was talking to them about Well House, and they were thinking about coming and all that stuff, and. Um, uh, this friend of mine, he looks at me and he goes, uh, so should I be expecting anybody to like start praying in tongues or something? Yeah. <laughs> and I said, uh, uh, no, probably not. <laughs> yeah. Not going to say it won't happen. Yeah, but, <laughs> but probably yeah. not. Um, anyways, he started asking a lot of questions about the higher gifts. Yeah. Um, very common. Yeah. Um, and so I just answered how I knew to answer. Um, but then I immediately had to follow it up with, but I don't have any of these gifts. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's it's a really... Um, it's a hard thing to deal with because you know it's there, right? But it it really is. And, and here's the thing I will say. What people enthusiasts where they get themselves in trouble is that they can be judgmental mm. um, over people who don't have the experiences. Yeah. And so they turn a lot of people off to them or you get on our end and you end up, and I say our end, like, excuse me, where we are, you get uncomfortable with the idea of mystery and not being able to define what happened. Yeah. And so you try to stifle the spirit yeah, because you want to be able to put God in that box. And that's what's so enviable about the enthusiast is like, if God's in a box, it's so big that the boundaries are not definable. Yeah. They are looking for God to show up any kind of which way 
and every day that ends in Y. Yeah, I have this this friend, um, definitely a prophetess. Okay. 100%. Um, there has been times in my life um, where there is, and definitely fits this spiritual pathway, for sure. You know her. You probably know who I'm talking about. Um, she, There's been times in my life that there's something going on, and she'll just randomly like Facebook message me, being like, hey, how is everything going? Oh, yeah. Because God just told me X. And I'm like, oh, my God. <laughs> you read right. my mail, girl. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It, these experiences happen. Like, these are real things. Yeah. Um, and, and if you happen to know an enthusiast and they have ever read your mail or if they have ever prayed for you, you know that it's a thing. Oh, Yeah. Um, when I think there are ways in which people try to deny them yeah, and that's okay. I think there's, there's very good and valid reasons for which people are afraid of these. Yeah. Um, but then again, I also think there are very real ways that people experience the enthusiast that they don't. They wouldn't call it that, but that's absolutely what it is. So Gary mentions a few different categories of like the way the the enthusiast experiences God. And one of them I don't think is unique to charismatic movements. But when I first read the book, I never thought about classifying it as a supernatural act, which it absolutely is. Gary's right. Don't hear what I'm saying is like me thinking that Gary's wrong. Gary is absolutely right in this. And it's dreams. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He mentions that God can show up in very supernatural ways in your dreams. Yeah. And so we see that all throughout the Bible. That's everywhere from Daniel to the New Testament, right? God shows up or even from Jacob. Yeah. um, God shows up in dreams and not uncommon yeah and i'm not a person that remembers my dreams very well like because you know like through sleep technology or whatever like we know that everybody dreams every night yeah the question is whether or not you remember it yeah i don't remember my dreams very well I like very rarely remember my dreams. Actually, this is a funny story and I'm going to go ahead and tell it because we've got time. Um, there's one story that there's one dream that happened to me that I will never forget. Oh my gosh. I think I remember this. I was in high school <laughs> and Clayton and I were in the middle of a prank war. And so, if yeah. So if you don't know this, Clayton and I are brothers and we were in the middle of a prank war. Clayton's six years younger than me. And, I was like, when we, when he first challenged me to a prank war, I was like, okay, like I didn't even care. I was like, what is this dude going to do? And here's what he did. Baby of the household. He recruited our mother to join his team in the prank war. And I totally did that. And I have no shame. Yeah, he absolutely did. And mom, if you're listening, still a bit salty about this. Uh, didn't know there were tag-ins on the prank war. But, I mean, he did everything from freezing my truck keys to, I mean, you name it, he did it. 
and all because my mom. This dude never would have come up with any of these ideas if not for my mom. But anyways, I was sleeping, and apparently I was having some kind of dream. And I don't know why I was having this dream, but I was chasing SpongeBob SquarePants. Okay? I was literally chasing him somewhere. And I like it's in a jungle. I'm running, chasing SpongeBob SquarePants through the jungle. And uh it's almost like uh think of like the Lion King where they're running through the jungle and like yeah. the big the big jungle leaf like slaps in your face and you go to part the jungle <laughs> leaves so you can see beyond them. I did that so I couldn't see for a moment. And as soon as I did that, as soon as I parted, SpongeBob SquarePants is looking at me. Squirting me with water. <laughs> okay. I wake up. It's not SpongeBob SquarePants. It's Clayton Proper Pants squirting me <laughs> with a water gun in my face while I'm sleeping. It was great. <laughs> so, anyways, I, I say all that to say, I don't remember my dreams very often, but when I do, they're pretty memorable. And I remember there was one there was one situation that I had. I was a sophomore in college and I was really trying to get into charismatic expressions and learning the supernatural elements of God. And I'll never forget it. I had a dream and for time's sake I'll I'll spare it, but the story, but I had a dream where I just definitively knew that God was communicating to me that I needed to do something. And specifically, I needed to reach out to someone that I had really hurt in high school and try to make that right. And I did. And sure enough, like absolutely, they were in a place where they needed to hear my apology. Um, so as a... Uh, I'm not an enthusiast in my pathway, but like God absolutely has used enthusiastic experiences for me as like monumental moments in my faith. Yeah, I think I think I kind of have to concur with that. Um, I'm definitely not an enthusiast, um, at least not to its full ex- fullest extent. Um, I guess in some ways I am because uh, one of my passions is worship, right? So I guess to some extent I kind of have to be. It's the manner um, in which you worship, though. Right. So if you're, like, super expressive, hands raised, jumping around, if if you're a person that, like, gets uncomfortable, if people are dancing in the aisles, probably not enthusiastic. No, that's a good time for me. Yeah. Yeah, so. Um, sometimes for, it, I feel that that is suppressed in me because of the other people around. Yeah. So as we, as we designed our celebration services, which is what we call our monthly gatherings when we get together at Wellhouse, um, we designed them and we called them celebration parties or celebration services because we wanted them to feel like a massive party. Yeah. Um, it's going to feel like a tailgate. Yeah. It's, it's think of it like a Christian tailgate. Yeah. Um, we did it because we want our enthusiast people to have like a like a thing that's for them. They they we want them to feel comfortable. 
yeah um, to be themselves and express themselves and worship god the way that they feel comfortable absolutely if that means jumping around and dancing and raising their hands and praying in tongues like by all means yeah Um, now paul does give us rules or guidelines for how to do that um and i think those are important especially for us because we do a lot of things in public yeah and that's what paul is communicating to them is like when you do this in the presence of non-believers yes like you need to be conscientious of how you're loving them well in doing this this way yes um, so I do That's think very important. I do think there's that, but also don't want to stifle the spirit. We have people in our community that are enthusiasts mm-hmm. that want to experience God in very real and supernatural ways. And like, I don't, I don't want to stifle that in any way. No. Um, yeah, uh, for sure. Definitely don't, don't want to stifle that. Um, but back to your point, you may be because you were one of the ones that helped me formulate the idea of the celebration service that that this should be a massive party celebrating what God has done over the last month. Yeah, um, I mean that that was the general idea, um, and, and I had a similar experience as you. Um, what actually put me on the path of vocational ministry was a dream. Um, Oh, that's right. I told. Yeah. I always forget about this. This is so formative for you, but it happened so long ago for me. It happened when you were so you were like seven, I, six, I maybe was, younger. I think I was like eight or nine. Oh, were you a little bit older? Um, yeah, yeah. Um, but um, I, I was I was young, um, and my gosh, I didn't think I would ever actually tell this story in a um, a public venue. Yeah, um, but um, when I was young, um, I had a very vivid, um, I, I used to have very vivid dreams, um, pretty pretty regularly, and, and in this one specific dream, and I, I'm going to describe the scenario because I think it's important, um, it was me and I guess what I believed Jesus looked like at the time sitting in this attic, this run down, broken down, um, dark, dreary attic while it's raining outside. Um, I think that's really important um, because we were alone in a desolate place, in a sad, broken down place. And without going too much further into into specifics um that's where i got my call to ministry for a specific place um and that specific place kind of represents the attic um so and in that dream i was also told that um i was supposed to to leave first before i could go into ministry if you don't know anything about me, about three years later, um, I moved around from about the time that I was about 12 till I was 18. And I'm now 21 and in vocational ministry. <laughs> yeah. And not only did you move, I moved you to Europe. Moved. I moved to yeah. Europe for about nine months. Yeah. Um, 
left the continent. Yeah, that is that. That's God working through dreams. That's yep. prophecy. Yep. Um. And I experienced that when I was nine years old. Yeah. Um, so I guess to some extent, I guess I do have some of that enthusiast in me. Um, and it's real. There's a place for it. Um, so if somebody comes to you and wants to pray for you and reads your mail, don't think they're stalking you because it's a real thing. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's so true. I, I think we oftentimes get weirded out by it because we don't experience it on the norm. But if the the example that I always use for people is if somebody came to you and said, hey, I really feel like the Lord's telling me I need to pray for you. I yeah. think the Lord's saying that you have cancer and I, I just really feel I need to pray for you. Yeah. And you do have cancer and you absolutely know you have cancer. You let him pray for you, presumably with very little expectancy that it's actually going to do anything. And then the next time you go to the doctor, your cancel cancer is medically, it's healed and it's medically unexplainable. That for you is a very different situation than if that person sees you break your arm and says, Hey, can I pray for your arm to be healed? And it's healed in the moment. Yeah. Both. I'm going to call miraculous healing. Absolutely. But we, we experience, I think, miraculous healing all the time. And we don't call it that because we have modern medicine. Yeah. I think that's a fair point. And because the thing, because broken arms don't haunt us anymore. Withered hands, like we see in Mark chapter 2, like don't haunt us anymore. Cancer haunts us. Mental illness haunts us. And so when we pray for miraculous healing, we don't call it that because we can explain it in another way, which is a detriment to the enthusiast. Yeah. Absolutely. So... Um, as you've been listening, um, if you think that you are an enthusiast, it probably means you are. <laughs> yeah. If, if you've listened for 30 <laughs> minutes and you're going, man, I'm really intrigued by this, but you probably an enthusiast. <laughs> yeah. You're probably an, an enthusiast. Um, now the rest of you who are kind of like on the fence, you probably, probably have some elements. Yeah, but you probably not, it's probably not your primary pathway. No, probably not. Um, But there are elements of the enthusiast, like we say every week about every pathway that you should take. Absolutely. Um, Because there are beautiful things about the enthusiast. Um, One of those things that even people who aren't predominantly enthusiasts should do um, is listen for the spirit. You're in the grocery store and you see somebody standing in front of the carrots and you feel the Lord telling you to go pray for them. You better go pray for them. Um, Yeah. And that's an enthusiast. Yep. Absolutely.